Don't treat your athletes or the people you're training like a robots. Be creative. You can't just push, 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 push and not giving them different varieties of, of workouts. Maybe exercises not in the fitness room. Go outside and then immediately you see it's different. Give them a sports game for 10, 15 minutes. Structuring effective plan, that's the tricky part of the coaching job. And if you live with this, you'll find a way. Welcome to the PATH Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. Today's show is with Ivan Ivanov. This is a show that I am so amped and pumped for. Uh, recording this right now, I'm in Boise, Idaho, which is the headquarters of Supless Training Systems. Now, if you've never heard of Supless Training Systems, I imagine you may have heard of the or seen the Bulgarian bag. The Bulgarian bag was created by Ivan, who is the creator, the inventor, and the owner of Supless Training Systems. Now, the Bulgarian bag is only one of six functional training tools, and actually more accurately said, training systems at Supless. And so the Bulgarian bag, once again, is only one. There is the Supless ball, gladiator wall, throw dummy, Hertz band training system, and more. I mean, Ivan is one of the most creative people I've ever met, especially in the fitness and performance industry. So I know he's probably working on five new uh, innovations right now. And so he has been an incredible contributor to the fitness industry and especially, especially the sport of wrestling. Now, Ivan is a former Olympian for the country of Bulgaria in Greco-Roman wrestling. He was also the former U.S. Olympic coach as well. And so much of his coaching style and the needs that he's discovered on the wrestling mats, he's applied to the creation of his training tools. They are some of the funnest tools I've ever worked with and have been incredible assets in my own athletic journey, as well as with the athletes that I work with. So in today's podcast, you're going to get to see and hear, uh, more importantly, Ivan's story and, and really what has made him such a successful coach, one of the best coaches out there, and certainly one of the best coaches I've ever had the pleasure of working closely with. And you're going to get to hear no matter what situation he seems to have been put in in life, he's always found a way through and always found a way to... Um, make use of what he's had. And so it's a very, for me, a very inspiring conversation. And hopefully you'll find it interesting because he's going to go into the origin story of some of the training tools and where those were birthed out of. So get ready. I'm so excited to bring you this episode right here from Boise, Idaho, the headquarters of Supless Training Systems with Ivan Ivanov. We were talking this morning. It's been maybe three years since I was here last, which is pretty crazy. And so since the last time I was here, you guys, well, every single time that I come to Supless, you guys <laughs> do so many new improvements. I mean, the color of the gym, uh, you have so many different zones now, the metal zone. And so uh, it's really neat to see all of the improvements and how much you guys have put into Supless since I, just three years ago. Well, thank you, Mike. Uh you're always welcome here. Thanks for visiting us again. I'm glad you like our new uh, new branding and new style. Always, always. The, the branding of Supless is always top notch. So yeah, oh, you know, you know, if you're going to represent Supless, you're going to be look good, look good doing it. You know. Thank you. Well, Ivan, this morning at breakfast when I got off the flight, we were starting a conversation that I thought was really interesting, and the theme of the conversation was all around. Just having maybe a uh, learning things about you that I've never known before in terms of what's made you such a successful coach. And so one of the things I'm most curious about is, first off, how would you describe your unique style as a coach? Well, a few, a few things I could say to kind of have idea how I, how I experienced my success through uh, my career here as a Greco-Roman uh, wrestling coach, mostly Greco-Roman, but I, I'm also coaching the three styles of wrestling in our club. But my biggest success I had uh, when I coached at the 
at the highest level of the United States uh, Olympic uh, Training Education Center in Marquette, Michigan. First, uh, I had to um, know myself as an athlete, uh, what techniques I understand, uh, what techniques I understand how to teach others. And then based on that, and uh, based on mostly based on the, the technical part, which is very important in wrestling, I was able to uh, create different effective curriculums for teaching my wrestlers how to stay on the task. And also I, I created equipment that are so important for my style of coaching. So for example, if you look at this gym, you'll see a lot of dummies. This is because I understand how to teach the throwing techniques where Greco-Roman wrestlers especially, a lot of throws, upper body throws, lift, a life people and thrown over your head. That takes um, a lot of skills, uh, specific strength preparation. But just to make this kind of uh, more understandable for people who don't understand the sport of wrestling, uh, very simple. I, I knew myself. I knew what techniques I understand. Um, I created effective methods that can help me to keep my athletes on the task. And I created equipment that can help me being more effective with the style that I understand how to coach and the style that I wanted my wrestlers to develop. I like the aggressive style. We did a counter techniques too, but I like the aggressive style. This was something that I wanted to teach. I wanted my wrestlers to be aggressive, not passive and only, only counting on the counters. And for that reason, I also created a strength and conditioning part, very specific to my style. There's a many ways, as you know, in America, many ways people say, well, there's a many ways how to skin the cat. Have you heard that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, I was interesting because we don't skin cats in Bulgaria. <laughs> Maybe some other nations do, you know, I oh, laugh man. at this, but I understand the meaning of it. Yeah. So there's many other successful coaches and I just want to talk about my way, how I did it. And I, I never had to explain to anybody what I'm doing. And that's now people start asking me, well, tell us about experience, your experience as a coach. How did you have success with your athletes? And I, I started to go back and say, well, here is how I did it. And I don't say this is only my way. This is, I just found, again, I, I study myself. What do I understand? What I want to teach? What style I want to have my wrestlers perform on the mat? Style, style, not freestyle, not folk style. Style of, style of being on the mat, aggressive style, technical style, which technique is including in our style. This is what I mean when I say style. Because there's a freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, you understand? Almost like a personality. Personality. Personality on the mat. I, I, call it, I call it also identity. Okay. Identity of our style. How the suplex wrestlers should walk on the mat. Or after each action, do they walk back to the center? Or they run to the center? They look at the opponent in the eyes. I mean, this is hard to do. You have to teach them. It's difficult to follow this. But with everyday work, this is something that we can accomplish and, and we can build our own identity. Ivan, would you say in the United States, would that be there for, is that really like not traditional? Like if you, when, if you compare yourself even five years ago or today, 10 years ago, if you were to compare your style to the majority of wrestling coaches out there, is it different? And what, what are the things that in addition, what makes it so different? Yes, my style definitely is different. And that's why I'm here in the United States. Uh, I'm a Greco-Roman coach who um, came here because USA Wrestling found something in me that I can be helpful. Mm. And they brought me here to help uh, Greco-Roman Wrestling to develop. And obviously this style is struggling to perform. But we had our successful years as well in the past. Just in the United States, Just, it's struggling? Or would you say? Yeah, in the United States, it's struggling to excel. Like freestyle is, they're national, they're world champions. They're, they're world, freestyle in America is, we are world champions because I feel also like, I mean, I, I love the freestyle. I love watching them. I know so many, so many stars. I even coach some of these athletes. Like David Taylor started, uh, started, uh, I uh, also had three visits uh, per week when I trained at Salt Lake City. He was Olympic champion from Tokyo. And uh, 
a couple time world champion and um, amazing person too. And he started a little boy and um, um, I, uh, now he uh, is competing in, the, in freestyle only. But when he was little, he was doing the three styles and I was Gre his Greco coach for, <laughs> for a, about a year and a half, I believe. So I know uh, many of those uh, freestyle wrestlers, successful wrestlers, I, I, I love uh, watch them. But that style is uh, very strong here in the United States. But Greco is, uh, is going on and off, on and off. And, and that's one of the reasons why I was brought here to help the Greco style. And uh, for me to uh, have success here in this system, which many foreign coaches probably there's no way they will understand what I'm talking about unless they come and work here. It's very challenging. And you can only success if you have a very effective, first you have to have a plan and you have to understand what you're doing. That's what I believe helped me big time to have a plan of action and to have effective plan with something that I was doing more to bring my effectiveness extremely high in order to perform results. Was it the tools that you were using that made it so effective or that aggressive style you were talking about? What, what made it so effective, would you say? Because I know you've been successful no matter where they've put you in the country and maybe even in the world. No matter, I know you don't even do any recruiting at Suplice. Uh, no matter where they put you, at least from my understanding, or what you're given, you really are an innovator and you really work with what you have. So what would you say are some of the main things? Is it the conditioning tools you've developed or what, what else makes it so special? No, I will not say the conditioning tools. Uh, even I have uh, developed six now, six training systems. I will say that this is just a supplement. Okay. Overall, because I cannot say that, oh, I can, I can be effective without the equipment, but it's a lot difficult. And it will be a longer process. Creativity. And always be on the task and, and, and follow the process and live with your work. And then you have ideas coming. Uh, I can tell you this equipment that I am creating, this for me is very easy. People say, how come... How do you get these ideas? <laughs> I, I smile and I say, I live with this. For me, this is, I had this idea a long time ago. I just didn't have the resources, the, the manufacturing, how to develop this. I had this idea a long time ago. I realized that this could be more, much more effective. We can do so and so and so and so uh, with uh, our training process. We can shorten the, the learning process, make it more effective. But that's not my, my strongest side. My strongest side is to develop uh, overall training plans. And this is very, this is, this is more deeply into the process. This is, I cannot describe here. And it's people who are watching here, even if you're wrestlers, you're very, very difficult to understand exactly what I'm doing unless you come here. But definitely it's not the equipment, but equipment is essential part. I, I will look dumb if I say, well, train with my dummies and you will be a national champion or state champion, not even working about the world, you know, champion. But I also can say right away, well, you can have a naked wrestling room with four padded walls, nothing. And you can have well-equipped room with dummies, with Bulgarian bags, with gladiator walls, with elastic bands, with equipment that it's appropriate to bring on the mat, crash pads, whatever. And you, you see how how this equipment has been using, you, you decide which one, which gym you want, especially when you train groups. That's where my specialty is. I, I, I was challenged to perform results when I train groups in different levels. Now, those coaches who really understand when you work with groups, you know, how the, the process goes, you, they will see that it's a great benefit to have extra equipment because you can always balance the levels. The other thing that's very important with me that I, I had assistant coach, but very often, um, very often I, at the Olympic training center I'm talking about, I had one assistant coach, but very often that coach had to also do administrative work. So you also have to handle a big part of your specific string conditioning on your own. I had some assistant coaches, uh, string coaches, but they 
didn't really understand exactly the Greco-Roman building string for Greco-Roman racing. Ivan, would you mind just briefly describing, uh, for someone who might not be familiar, if we take maybe the primary two styles that most people might be familiar with, Greco and freestyle, what's uh, the major differences between those two styles of competition? The difference is uh, freestylers and the college style of racing that we all know here in the United States, um, they can attack legs. Okay. Greco-Roman, we cannot attack legs. Only upper body. Only upper body. Okay. Yes. And we also have a mandatory position. We call it parterre position. Parterre means down on the mat, flat. You place your hands on the back of your opponent on the side. Not like the college style, you go this way. We're just on the side. And they have to, off the whistle, they have to uh, take their luck. And then the action begins. <laughs> Life or death. If you don't defend <laughs> down, you get lifted up in the air. You can't grab legs. Your legs go like this, and you get launched on your back. And that's not fun. But can you imagine to lift someone who is your weight class, the same weight, a live person who doesn't want to be lifted. <laughs> Nobody wants to be lifted. It takes tremendous amount of strength, power, but also technical skills. This, this, this type of technique can only be performed for very skilled athletes. Call it suples. That's the name of the suples. Like it's here, the logo, you know, two wrestlers. Could be from the back, could be front, face to face, belly to belly, launch someone. Hmm. Nobody wants to get launched. Nobody wants to fly. Nobody or wants hit to hit the fly. ground. Maybe people like it, to fly, but they don't want to hit the ground. Exactly. <laughs> and for for that, uh, that is very specific for uh, for a Greco uh, wrestlers. Freestylers are using this technique. They can also throw, but it's not very common technique uh, with freestyle and college style. It's not impossible, but it's just they're mostly um, distance wrestling. They attack legs. Here and there, you see some throws, but not like Greco. Greco, we wrestle also. Our stand is different. We wrestle chest to chest. Our stand is supposed to be more like this versus this. You know, this is bent or hunched over. Exactly, yeah. hunched over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of the main differences. You said thank you, and you said something that I found really interesting. And I we you shared this with me before we were recording, and I think it's a really important point to make when you're either an athlete or especially as a coach. If, for example, I try to uh, train wrestlers with maybe a, a I'm going to say in big words or general words, uh, a traditional style of conditioning, deadlifts, uh, squats and such like that. But then there's a big difference, as you just said, between training the deadlift to lift someone up versus actually having to get your body to the floor, lock arms around someone, and then deal with someone who's moving. So do you find value in kind of some of the traditional forms or is it, where do you see either traditional weightlifting fit in? Do you do any traditional weightlifting? What do you see with that? Yes, absolutely. Everything um, that you said here uh, could be effective, but only if you have a good plan. So, for example, just to give you kind of idea, we must perform lifts with alive people. The barbells are barbells, but that's also important when you overall periodization plan. That's what we do. So, for example, to give you kind of idea, what we do is in September, October, October, November, December, until up to January, before we start our competition phase, we use barbells. We do not too many deadlifts, but we do cleans. We do zerchers here mm. with the advanced athletes. With the younger athletes, they coach here at the club. Not too much. We don't do too much deadlifts. And you have to also make sure we teach properly. This. But I like it. We do cleans. We do cleans. We do heavy squats. Those type of, we do shoulder presses because it helps us to strengthen the shoulders for a brute strength for the defense, for a good, good defense or lift defense down. We have to post with, the, with our arms so we don't get injured. If you have weak shoulders, you can get quickly injured. So we build the, the, the brute strength, what I call it. You understand? The brute strength. With these standard strength exercises, and I do follow the standard um, methods of building strength by reps, high and low load, low and reps. We follow that. But you cannot rely on the weights only 
because weights are weights. If the weightlifters, Olympic-style weightlifters, would be effective to lift a person who is way lighter than the three times snatching or, or, or cleaning, cleaning jerk above their head, they would have come on the mat and beat us. You agree? But this is just not going to happen. A weightlifter cannot lift a live person unless he's taught properly. This is impossible. <laughs> no chance. I had a friend of mine, Mulgari, he said, Ivan, I'll lift you. I said, you <laughs> cannot lift me. He's a world champion in weightlifting. Oh, wow. And back in Bulgaria, we're the same age. You can't touch me down. I will be moving. I'm not like the weight. I'll be moving. I'll push your lock. I will crush your lock. You touch me here. I won't let you lock your hands. This is technique. So now, that's not only it. The thing is, when you lift a live person, you never lift it. Never. I, was, I, don't, I, don't, I can't even imagine. You go there and lift someone right away. This is impossible because you always start on the feet. You got to wrestle. You have to either take that partner down, that opponent down, or you have to win a caution versus that opponent so they can put him down, and then you have to perform the lift. So in reality, this doesn't happen for five or 10 seconds. Happen for a minute when there's no point. So when they put your opponent down, you have to perform this action, lift or turn, which is very physical, both lift, turn, reverse lift, straight lift, gut wrench, even front headlock. These are all physical positions. You have to have a good technique and you have to have specific strength and flexibility and skills. And at the same time, Mike, you have to perform this when you're winded and tired. <laughs> Not like the way lifters go there. I had some buddies, even I know, they smoke, they throw, they go there and they still are good. Check your cell phone, have a seat. They don't care. They get a little ammonia here and they get into <laughs> action. They get the job done. Resting, sorry, you smoke or you do something, this can affect your conditioning. And then your explosive power goes down and you can't do nothing. You can't even think. Yeah. This is very intense. When lactic acid and you're really gassed and burning, it's almost like uh, disorienting. It's like you don't even know. So to be able to perform at that and compete at that when someone's trying to attack you, that's insane. Yeah, you have to have it all. So to answer your question again, I do use those exercises, but I also modify the exercises. I follow the same methods. For example, think about you have, instead of doing a deadlift, because that's good, we do it to break the monotony sometimes. Okay. But I have more specific exercise for that, just to have the audience who are watching this to have better understanding. Imagine you and I are partners, and we're going to train that lower back and legs for specifically to lift alive people, not to lift weights and compete who's going to deadlift more. Okay. This is completely different. I'm going to start doing the good morning exercise with you. Why are you staying here? I got, I, I, I lock you from- You're going to grab me I'm going to grab you from, yes, yes, grab a lock like this, butterfly lock. Okay. Come behind and lift you and go like this and lift you up and down, up and down mm. between my legs, we can step on these dummies or we can step on platforms, something higher so I can drop you lower so I can get a full range of motion, develop my lower back muscles. But then all of a sudden, you're going to be feeling like a feather in my arms. After I do this for a while, I'm going to get stronger. Okay, so that's not enough because I, even I will be wrestling with you in the same weight class, for example, if we're same weight class, I need to lift heavier people in order to perform that lift and, be, and feel like light. Confident. You know? like, Confident, yeah. exactly. So what I will do is I'm going to give you a Bulgarian back to hold and you can go it on the mat because you have to still use your own techniques. And now, not only this up and down because it's not very realistic, but it builds your base. It's, very, it's, 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 not, as, it's not as dynamic variation of lifting than if you have to fake this way, this way, imitate your old setup and then lift that person and that person, and then you hold the Bulgarian bag. Do you understand? Yeah. And now I have to lift you when the, the weight is here, another 20 or 30 pounds you're holding. You know what deadlifts it? I, I, many, many people will fail that are strong on, on, are strong on the deadlift with weights. They're going to fail in this exercise. They can try it. Get a sandbag. Get a plate. Plate is dangerous. That's why I don't have plates. I have plates, but now I have bumper plates. But I use the Bulgarian bags here because you can drop it. You can hit yourself in the face. 
and you can be safe. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. But this is kind of to give people idea how they can how how is uh, our process with building very specific strength to lift alive people from the mat when they don't want to, and you have to throw them over your head to get the big five or four four or five points. Just last week on the show, we had Gary Reinel with us. Now, Gary is known as the anti-ice guy. And I imagine if you're either an athlete right now or if you've ever been involved in any type of, uh, even as a kid playing and you've gotten injured or you had surgery, I imagine that at some point in time, you've been recommended some component of what's called the RICE protocol. Now, the RICE protocol stands for rest ice, compression, and elevation. And essentially, Gary is the person responsible for disproving that that protocol, actually, it actually doesn't work as advertised. He disproves it and gives a very compelling argument in our last show for why, which all focuses on recovery. Now, also in that show, we discussed the Mark Pro, which is a device that Gary represents. Uh, He works for the company and he's now gotten this device in... I think almost every single MLB team is using it and countless other sports teams. And it is a true recovery device. I've been using it for about four months. My Chinese medicine doctor, friend and colleague, Johnny Suarez, who was a guest earlier on the Path of Podcast, is the one who recommended this to me. And I've been using it on my knee almost nightly. And it's been helping, in Gary's words, reduce or eliminate some of the congestion that can come up when we have injuries or for example, if there is soreness around any joints of the body. And so once again, as a practical tool, as something that I can use every single day. And I mentioned this on the last show, you know, there's very few, if any, products that I recommend on this show. And this is definitely one that I can stand behind. And so if you're interested in increasing your recovery, if you're interested in reducing how you're feeling, especially or to expedite and to improve the rate of recovery following injuries, this is definitely a device I recommend checking out. Now, after speaking with the people at Mark Pro, they've been kind enough to give listeners of the Path Podcast a 10% discount. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and use code THEPATH for 10% off. Now, let's get back to the show. I super... Uh, appreciate you sharing that. And even though you're speaking right now to wrestling, for anybody listening, I mean, I've been using specifically the Bulgarian bag for now over 10 years, maybe six-ish years ago, maybe more than that. I traveled here to Suplet to spend more time to train with you and learn directly from you. And even though what you're sharing is wrestling specific, and you know this very well, so I'm just going to share it just to share it with the audience. If you're listening to this and whether you're a wrestler or not, Ivan and I were having this conversation in the car as well. Like the application of what you're sharing is towards wrestling. But if you take a few steps back and you look at the principles that you're talking about, many of the principles can apply to anybody. Now, you don't necessarily, or someone listening doesn't need to necessarily have the ability to lift someone off the ground. They're probably not going to need to do that. But when you look at what you can do with the Bulgarian bag, it's a soft implement. I have. Bulgarian bags all over my house, in my office, in my downstairs where I hold you know, the baby, where the dog is. I can throw it in my truck. If I do a technique incorrectly or I'm just learning or I'm teaching someone, it's soft. So it's not going to hurt my forearms, for example, on like a clean. But the other thing too is wrestling, I would say is one of the most, maybe the most, or one of the most athletic sports. And maybe someone, if you're listening to this and you want to do a home workout program, Maybe you don't need to lift someone from the floor. So you don't need to train that specifically. But if you look at wrestling, it involves every single movement plane. You have to move front to back sagittal. You got to move lateral. You have to do rotation, a lot of rotation. Uh, You have to train in every single pattern, squatting, lunging, bending, twisting, pushing, pulling, all of them. And you can do so at home with a soft implement that you can do safely with lighter loads. And so when you look at, when I look at wrestlers, I really don't have a desire to be a wrestler. But when I've been here training, one of the things you said is like, you've told me I would take you on my wrestling team. And what I was doing was just training with the bag at home because the movements I feel can apply to to everybody. And I don't think most people know this, but I would love for you to share. So when people think of Supless, you mentioned you have six training systems, like full-blown training systems here. And most people are most familiar with the Bulgarian back. However, if I recall correctly, that wasn't the first tool that you developed. 
So what was the first tool to, that you developed and why did you come up with it? The first tool I developed um, are these throwing dummies with the stump. Okay. Like the ones that we're sitting on the right one, now. No, not this one. This idea came up way, way back. But Are uh, these called the stump dummy without yeah, the legs? The, yeah, the stump, but uh, the power one. Okay, got it. Yeah, we have them over there behind me. Um, the power dummies, um, very important. And I didn't invent the dummies. Uh, but I needed them so bad when I started my coaching career in Salt Lake, working with youth athletes, five, six years old until 18 years old athletes. That's how I started my career. I came from the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, helping the, the national team. Um, but um, uh, I realized quickly that in order to have success coaching, I have to start studying the whole American wrestling system from the youth age. And I believe that was one of my best decisions I made for my profession. Normally, people right away wanted to get the big job. Like the elite level the job. elite level job. Okay. But they don't have experience <laughs> at the grassroots. <laughs> and for me, this was, I think this was great decision because it helped me later to be more effective and to talk with, right now I'm speaking not, because I have a vision or something, I have experience. Nobody can argue this. They can go and see. You know, like you said, I had experience in every with every age that I work, especially in America. You know, for for these standards, maybe another coach from Soviet or from Bulgaria will say, "What have you done more?" And I had more champions. I'm talking about starting to call myself a coach on someone. I personally, I see, I must go. I had to. I have coached this wrestler for minimum two, three years. Then I can call myself, I coach this person, I can get some credit. I deserve to get some credit. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. And in this system, struggling with the entire process, with competing with folk style wrestling, competing with uh, freestyle wrestling, competing with American football even. Versus the athletes in Europe or in Russia or in Turkey or another country, Bulgaria. We do only one style. That's it. You're not allowed to wrestle to compete two styles. See the difference? And it's very difficult to compete versus athletes who train since young. Only one style of wrestling. This is very challenging. But that made me tougher and made me effective. And that's how Suplice was born. I had to look for ways. And these are, again, these tools are just supplements. I find myself much more creative in the training plan and the process of wrestling. Inside, what, what, how do I design my plan? It's not about, okay, you can have here. I'm going to make one clip here one day. You know what I'm going to do here, Mike? What's that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pile a bit up to the logo over there. Big <laughs> pile of Bulgarian bags. Demis. I'm going to just go like that. And I'm going <laughs> to sit up front on top and say, here, you can have all of these. But I tell you what, it does not guarantee you success. Unless you have a plan of and knowledge how to use this equipment and simply make me three weeks training plan and I will know who you are as a coach with my equipment, with this equipment. I don't want to talk about anything else. I want to talk only about suplex, something that I totally understand more than anyone else in the world. And so for this reason, before they go through the coaching process with me, they will not gain the, the knowledge of exactly how I use it. You understand? Yes. So I think this is, uh, this is very important when you, when you want to replicate someone's success and have very close success with that person, to study very closely that system that brings him success. And not only this, to contribute to his system with your own ideas. Because I don't say I, I, it's his limit. I need young guys like you or who else is taking over our systems. You're, you're, with the, you're a Bulgarian back expert now. And I see you contributing with new ideas, with new routines, with new challenges. And see, now you can have success. And I, um, and I, I just want to give you, as a, you know, as an example, because um, you're closely following the educational process. That's why when we watch you on YouTube, were some other dudes who are not certified in just spinning the back, hitting themselves, and even calling some exercises some, you know, their own uh, wordings. And, and th there's a difference between a trained person like you, strictly follow the system 
and knows how to identify each key point of each exercise and knows why we're doing this exercise for versus some person on YouTube who just is not even certified but showing stuff, it's okay. It's okay. But I, I know how to identify my instructors. Yeah, I don't. Do you see the difference? I totally see it. So that's very important overall. I'm just giving this as an as a overall uh, example of overall process, um, how I understand the success. If, if somebody tells you hey, this, is, this is not working, your plan is not working, I say, well, you can't tell until you come and do it exactly the way I do it. Mm -hmm. Exactly the way I do it. Then you tell me it's not working. That's, how you, that's the only way you can prove me I'm wrong. They do it exactly the way I do it. And if it's not working, you, you follow me? Yeah, I follow you completely. And I think what maybe people don't understand or maybe don't get, I don't, yeah, maybe they don't understand because they don't get an opportunity to see it if they haven't gone through your system is, I mean, it is so, it is so deep in terms of how far you can take someone with even just the, not just the bag, but if we just look at the bag or the soupless ball or the dummy, like you have full blown training system, so many techniques. I think even on the spin, we teach like, almost up to 10 to 13 progressions. And so when someone sees a full spin, they don't really realize that that technique, there are so many elements that you can utilize to help yourself in the process. And one of the biggest um, maybe ahas that I had was, I'll never forget, I, was, I don't even remember what trip it was that I was here, but I first learned the arm throw, so wrestling technique on the Bulgarian bag. Like that's what I, shoulder load, one of the regressions to the arm throw, if you're listening. Um, it's just like a reduced range. And, and if, you, if you're not familiar with it, just look on my, on Suplice's YouTube or on mine. But basically it's a technique to mimic a live throw. So I was doing it with the bag, training with it, hundreds, thousands of reps. And then I didn't have a dummy at the time. So I was here and you taught me how to throw the dummy. And the technique was, maybe the grip was a little bit different, right? Because I'm dealing with a different implement but the technique was actually the same. And then I remember we were filming something and you had told me on camera, Mike, go throw Mitko. And I was like, I remember being put on the spot. I was like, you like to mess with people a lot. You like to joke, which I don't know. If, well, people who know you get to really see that. And uh, so I was like, inside, I was like, I don't know what to do. And I remember uh, either you said something or I was just like, just do the same thing that I know how to do already. And Mitko obviously is an elite level or was an elite level wrestler. So he knows if I were to, he knows how to take a fall if it's not super graceful. But I was blown away. I clinched him. He got me in the right position, threw him. And it was so much fun. And I was so like shocked or impressed, but it was a testament for me in terms of, and I bring this up because the level of depth and nuance and technique from head position to arm position to grip position, everything has a specific reason. And what I found is, even if I never wanted to throw someone, it's nice to have to know that I do have the ability inside. Because as we were chatting over coffee too, I really feel people, especially men today, are missing like a connection to their physicality, like a connection to just feeling physically capable. And I think, and from my experience, all of your tools have empowered me and have empowered my students to feel uh, not feel like maybe nothing against deadlifts like we're talking about, but not feel like a robot. I feel like I can move, bend, twist, grab. And I've never really stepped on a wrestling mat. It doesn't matter. But I feel like I can play with my kid. I can do things and I feel not restricted to do so. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great example that you uh, remind me of, about uh, our conversation and about the arm throw. Uh, example of, of, of having a plan. I, I, we spoke earlier about the plan. This was all planned for me. I will give you an example, and you probably will remember. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't discuss this much um, during my courses, but the arm throw being in the Bulgarian back educational course is essential because the dummies that we're sitting right now is a big plan of me. It's, it's my plan to teach others. And I'm not, I can't force them to throw dummies, but it's my obligation to say a lady or a guy or sir or anybody, any level, doesn't have to be a wrestler. You came to my course or to any Bulgarian back instructor who suplex certified and taught you the Bulgarian back course, you are ready to practice on the dummy if you want to. 
because, well, how? Well, you're ready. Your mechanics are built without knowing. I mean, you, it's not only the arm throw. The arm throw, it's imitate. If you throw that back, you're going to throw the dummy a lot easier because you are, I already taught you the mechanics. Why I say, watch your legs on the arm throw, hips width apart, not, can you do it with it? In reality, the arm throw doesn't work when your arms are, when your legs are wide open because you're going to lose your power. Mm. You understand? You know that. And I, I keep saying, watch, legs, hips width apart because people don't know. They do it, but the mechanics, why I say, well, turn the head the opposite direction. I mean, can you, can you throw arm throw and look this way? Yes, you can. But Coach Ivan is thinking, once I get you ready with this, you have to do the proper mechanics so I can be, I, I can get you ready for my dummy later. And who is going to throw the dummies? Who? All of these people who came to our previous courses because nobody's going to believe us if you tell them, come, we'll teach you how to throw a dummy. They'll say, no, I'm not a wrestler. We don't have to be a wrestler. I have in female instructors that can embarrass. <laughs> Bridget can embarrass a lot of wrestling coaches because I know she's taught from the right person. Yeah. You know, Bridget? You know, Bridget. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. She can toss Holly also. I mean, many, many other. Uh, now we, we open a, a strength center in Poland. They, they also, they love to toss these dummies. It, it's awesome because they're ready. We got them ready without they knowing. I just had to be there. Relax. Watch. Just give me five minutes. If you don't like it, you don't have to throw these dummies. And you know what? I actually had experience it in Poland. We had to bring the crash pads and women are throwing <laughs> on the crash pads. They try. They're like, oh, I'm excited. They start throwing each other. But this is just an example. When you have an effective plan, you plan. You don't have to tell everything to people what, what is next because you could scare them, right? Now I can talk because now we have so many certified people with the Bulgarian back come to my first dummy course, which will be next year. Come and learn if you like to throw the suplex speed dummy. Not, not the power. Power. Which is a heavier dummy. It's a heavier dummy. More okay. for performance. But they can do the power too. It's just three times heavier. That's all. See, that, so that, that's, that's very important for, for people to, to know how I see the process. And it almost sounds like in, not exactly, but like a chess match. When you're thinking multiple moves ahead and you're really that plan, like you're, you have a, an idea of the destination you want to go. And then you basically adapt to the person in front of you to see what they're ready for, where they're at. And that's, I think, structuring training based off of the athlete in front of you. And, and you do something really unique because you, you can work one-on-one, -on -one, but like you said, you started out with the objective of being a high-level group coach. And you, know, you, you shared that the, uh, the dummies is the first tool. I'm really curious, and I think people would be love to know, how did you come up with the idea for the Bulgarian bag? And what was the inspiration or the process of you inventing that bag uh, for groups or for your athletes? The biggest motivation for me to bring the Bulgarian bag in, in life and bring it on the mat was results. With my wrestling team, because that's where the idea was born and, and uh being able to find exercises that are so important to us, to especially to the Greco-Roman wrestling, but they can be also important to any combat wrestling. At that time, I was coaching Greco at the Olympic Training Education Center in Marquette. And I, the, the first thing I saw is training 20 athletes and more. I didn't have more than 25, 27 athletes probably. At that time, now there are a lot more actually, but the, it, the program doesn't, it's not called anymore Olympic Training Center called Northern Michigan, but uh, they have more now. Traditions, it's growing now. Good, I'm happy about that. Andy Bizek, one of uh, my athletes, is a head coach there and um, the program is still running. He's doing a great job with that. But um, I wanted to see how by one coach, I can line up all of my athletes and perform these dynamic exercises that require a lot of rotation, grip training, muscular endurance workout. I didn't have very heavy backs at that time. The, the heaviest I had is, was 37 pounds. Imitating wrestling techniques, being able to crank them if you want or go the other way. You are, either way, you are with the athletes on the mats. You see the entire process. You see the expression of their face. 
I know this will help me create a great competitive environment because I'm going to line you up with the guy who you don't like, <laughs> right? Next to you, the freshman comes and you're the, the national champion and you drop the back and he sees it. Guess what? I said, I'm going to get this guy next year. I mean, this is also part of my plan. I always try to create a competition. Even right now, I'm trying to create competition with my employees. And fight for your spot. <laughs> I mean, for every, you understand, my coaches, everything. This is just, it makes us all, uh, all better. We're all moving forward. So this is one of the biggest part. Willpower training. Because you can see the head coach is there. Who is going to drop the back? I see it. This is not like my club. Olympic Training Center, they don't perform. You show them the door. Say, sorry, next year you won't see your name invited. You know the deal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a matter every college doing that. You don't perform, see you, I find another guy, which was difficult to find another guy. I didn't want to lose my guys because I, you know, I didn't have much to offer them. And I'm glad they didn't leave. They stayed because they know I care. They know I push hard, but also they had success with me, most of them. And we were able to move forward. And I see the Bulgarian back was uh, one of the tools that really uh, was very helpful for me to structure these uh, ex ex workouts for muscular endurance, especially. And I use it for many different applications for warm up or mobility, flexibility, grip training. You know, I was able to structure a lot more routines on my own without being, without relying on a specific, on a, uh, on a string conditioning coach who we had to pay or he can't be all the time with us. Or even if we, it comes and goes, he doesn't understand the entire process. You have to do a lot of communication to tell him, hey, I beat him down yesterday. Be careful what you're doing. And they don't understand the Bulgarian back either. They don't know what it is. I discovered, I developed the system here in America. Now you ask me about the history. I, I saw, what do I saw in the back? I saw in the back different tools that I already know how to do, how to work. The metal kettlebell that I know from, when did you know the, the bell? What year? Give me a year. Give me a year. 2003, maybe? Born? 2003. I know the kettlebell. I know it. When I was in the sports school, I saw first first time. That was... 1982. No way. Oh yeah, I know the kettlebells there. You know, my legs are, my glutes are still, still sore <laughs> from doing a swing squat. So in it, Bulgaria, in yes. your physical education, yes. you had kettlebells. And every, every, yeah. every, every school gym, and they were rusty, and they they had a lot of. Uh, they weren't perfectly machined. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you know, I've seen me doing this pummeling. Yeah. My, my, what do you call it? Calluses? Calluses, rips. Calluses, Callus, yeah, rip. blisters, yeah. And, uh, and the national coach, nobody teach me how to do this. The coach sitting on a chair like the national coach is a great man and very successful. But he doesn't, didn't teach me nothing. He said, yeah, cross, he's crossed his legs like this, have a notebook. Next, finish until you drop it. He writes the set. Next, in front of him, the head coach. In Bulgaria national team, and I am just a like a rookie on the national team. Yeah, and like the first camp, I can't feel I'm pummeling until crazy. So I knew these bells a long time ago. So that's what I saw in the back. I saw a kettlebell. I saw a med ball. I saw a metal plate. I saw a barbell. And at the end, the shape gave me the lamb that we grab in Bulgaria and we swing it here. Wow, the shape of the back. The shape of the yeah, we go to the folk national festivals, and the winners are awarded with the livestock animals. Wow! Either lamb, ram. We're not doing fitness with livestock animals. It's yeah. just one time they they swing it, they carry it proud in front of the audience, mm. and then they go they either sell it or some take it home and they they butcher it, whatever. I don't know what they do, but um, that's the shape. Everything is knowledge, how to work with the equipment and say what kind of shape and equipment I wanted to bring here, which will include elements of these or functions of these other tools that I just mentioned. And be, and be safe because I train on the mats. I don't train. And be mobile because this was also a big part, but very important for me. I cannot train the athletes only here in the gym. They're not robots. 
And that's the other. That's why we're going back to the plan. How you structure a workout. Show me three-week three week training cycle, and I will tell you a lot if you understand what I'm doing. I'm talking suplex stuff. We have my equipment. Do you understand? I do. And I think it, it all, you, you seem to have gotten inspiration from all these areas and your own life experience. And it was all, just to bring it back, it was all to serve the purpose of building world champion wrestlers. Wrestling was the inspiration for we talk all of them. performance. Yeah. You see, when I talk performance, yeah. you feel how I'm getting. You oh, got get me fired first. Yeah. yeah. You asked me earlier, how low are you going to talk? I said, depends how, <laughs> how loud is he going to talk. My yeah. buttons, you know, turn my buttons, I can even speak louder. Goes, get, how excited are you going to get? Yeah, when I talk <laughs> performance, I, I, if I have here, hair, <laughs> It's going to go like this, like a wild pigs. You understand? So, so I get very excited when I performance train. But I also can change when I coach activities. Easy. When I coach fitness people, you guys are always happy. <laughs> come and train. Grumpy little wrestlers coming at 5.45 in the morning. <laughs> Or at the Olympic Training Center, these college guys who are not used to get up early and they have to get up and nobody, nobody expected, they didn't expect to train two, two times a day for three or four times a week and in the evening and they're getting grumpy and you have to crank them. And then, then, you, have to, then you have to use some skills. So psychology or also you have to have equipment also. You can't, let's say, you push on the mat hard. You see, you can't win today as a coach. But you still have to do something. Get the equipment. Start cranking them with the equipment. If you don't have equipment, what do you do? All right, guys, go home or keep training something else. Maybe today they're just not effective on the mat. They're not paying attention. They're distracted. They're tired. But they're not that tired to do some extra sets with Demitros or whatever. So that's why the equipment is very important. Get on the Bulgarian backs, for example. All right, come on. Let's do it. It can't go anywhere. You understand? Now, now, now you wake him up. You get on the clock and start cranking them with the whistle. You're around them. Nobody, nobody can escape from your vision. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, do you understand? Yeah. So uh, equipment is important for, I can give many examples, but when I, Talk performance, I, I really get excited. That's really where you shine. And I've been able to spend, as we shared earlier, you know, extended time here to learn the bag, but to also to train a bit with your wrestlers. And one of the things that I observed is the, maybe like the loyalty that your athlete students, wrestlers show towards you is very felt and observed. And even though right now you're talking about the push, but I've also seen you you incorporate a lot of play, you know, in the warmups. You also, I've seen you not quite like send someone home, but if people are tired or, you know, you really, I've seen you dial it back. And it, it, at least from my observation, it's not always the dial to 100. Would you say uh, that is one thing that has helped you create that loyalty or what else? Why are the athletes that train under you so loyal? I could say loyalty. That's, that's a good word. I, I could say trust. Okay. Yeah. Trust. Yeah. Because if if you remember in our conversation uh, today, um, I mentioned something that I can be a um, I can be a motivator, but I don't want to be a motivator with my athletes. Even even those kids who are coming in the club, kids. I'm talking about eight, ten years old kids, up to eighteen. Yeah, they're still kids for me. I mean, everybody's kid for me now, right? I told them I I don't want to motivate you. I don't want to motivate my kids either, my own children. I want their partnership. Partnership. I got up early in the morning. I got up actually earlier than anybody else, 5.45. If I have the morning practice, I'm here. And I'm in the hallway. And if my son or my daughter is supposed to drive with me, it better be there because 5.15, I'm gone. And I'm not convincing anybody. I'm not going to wake up and and whatever nice words to say you understand you're not there sorry i have to do i i have to go it's your career it's not mine figure it out i'm not here every day to motivate you and talking about if you if i have to go and motivate athletes who are training performance and are going to train 
for Olympic Games and World Championships. Right. If that's the goal. Sorry, they're, they're not my partners. If I have to motivate them every day, I mean, I like to, but it, it's not a good partnership. They have to show me by their example how they train, how coachable they are. I, too, contribute back to, to their performance and give them my best because now we have agreement. You have to show up for all of these practices. You said you believe in the plan. I thought you're honest with me. You told me you want to be world champion. I put a plan. I ask you, you believe in this? Yes, coach me. And then you don't show up for practice. Now our agreement somewhere is, is we're breaking. Someone is breaking an agreement. It's not me. So a front, when I say my expectations of front, I'm ready for both. They can say no. They can say, yes, I'm with you. Or right, let's follow up. Now we're partners. And, and for that reason, the trust, and even if, even if for some reason one of the athletes goes his way, doing something inappropriate, whatever, he's not longer in a program, I don't remember the blame to be on me and say, oh, he was a bad guy. He treated me bad or whatever. They're still friends of mine. Some of these guys actually very happy. I have a good relationship. They say hi to me. They buy equipment. They ask me how we're doing. We see their kids at the competitions, you know, and, it, and I had to let go because I said, I can't fight for you guys anymore. You know, they, they know they messed up. But as long as, again, as long as you are prone with people, I, I don't see you can go wrong with that. And um, that's how you earn their trust. You, they know you care. They know they, they made a wrong decision with something. Yeah. It's built on a lot of trust. And also what I'm hearing is respect. And respect. that's how you really get the respect of real respect. Mm -hmm. um, and also too, what I've seen you do is you're not afraid to train. You're not afraid some, sometimes to hop on the mats and you're, you're, you're a very active coach. Right, you're on the mats there with them. Maybe not training every session, but I've seen you demonstrate techniques. I've seen you wrestle with guys. I've seen you do workouts. We're going to do a workout after this together, and I think that in and of itself, you modeling that is like, oh, whoa, coach is on the mats too. Coach is doing this workout with me, and that's I think really unique. I don't think a lot of coaches do that or would be willing to do that. And I think that for me, that was one thing that really stood out to me about you is you model it, you live it. This is a lifestyle for you. And, and that really garners for me a deep level of trust and respect. This is a very important area, especially when you're starting a coaching career in this country. Okay. Helped me big time. I'm just going back and, and thinking about how I started. Honestly, when I first took over in Northern Michigan program at the university. I beat all my guys. What do you mean beat all your guys? Beat them on matches. Oh, you competed against I, No, I don't compete. <laughs> or you okay. in practice. <laughs> I I can go and just uh, there was one uh, one wrestler. I hope he watches this somewhere. <laughs> RC Johnson. Okay. RC Johnson is a big wrestler like over 200 something pounds. Jesus. But it was soft for me. And I <laughs> he had no partners. Nobody pushed him, so I I went one time with him. And I beat him pretty good. It was this first year. It was too soft for me. I was still, I was still in my 30s, you know, 30, I was 30, 31, 32 years old. And second year, I, I remember RC and, and other guys also, you know, and, I, and, and RC one time next year or year after two years, I don't know, some, maybe next year. We're drilling and I'm still sparring with him. And he dragged me. I just sparring. Can't keep up with him. He's now too strong. He will kill me. <laughs> he dragged me, and I and I defended a little bit so he can feel it. And the guy launched me. I said, "RC, what are you doing, man? You killing me?" He said, "Coach, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought if I if I didn't launch you, you're gonna yell at me." I said, "Yeah, that's right. I'll yell at you, but don't do it on me. You know." <laughs> <laughs> he killed me. He would crush me. It was so strong later, and he, he became a national, uh, national champion, made a world team. I'm so proud of him. Very smart guy now. He's very successful. Um, he and there, I see him on uh, Facebook and so on and so on. But this is just a, a, a great example 
of um, what you just you know mentioned um, the, the 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 ability to prove so they can respect you i even uh, I, I say a story very funny story about uh, one of my be very best wrestlers actually Harry Lester who won two times bronze medal in Greco-Roman wrestling at the world championships and he's he was uh, before that he was a cadet world champion freestyle so that's came, a younger age right cadets yeah, younger, younger. yeah younger age but he went to um Iowa State in college for a year and then for some reason he came to me and I think I challenged him big time because he lost from two of my wrestlers before so he knew that it's hard to compete with me and Greco if I'm on the other side obviously and he loved Greco too he was an amazing athlete but he came but it's still different style and it's pretty soft and um, we had something personal going on he was about my weight and we're going back and forth but it's a little too soft for me and now he's getting bigger and stronger and one day I walk in practice and everybody's lined up all my wrestlers lined up this is how I start my practice I'm a structured guy Remember, I can't start messy practice or athletes sitting like us here and I talk. No, we stay up. This no is hands up. in the pockets. No I, hands in the no pockets. No hands in your pockets if you're around hey, Coach Ivan. Uh, Coach Ivan, yeah, don't do that. Don't put don't your do hands that. in your pockets. Exactly, Note that. because they might think we play pocket, you know, tennis <laughs> or something. No, we got to stay and listen so Ready. we can be on the task. So the whole team, and I, I don't know what happened, but I grabbed one of these gloves, you know, the duel, you know, the duel with the guns in America. Duels. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gunfighting. Yeah, yeah, gunfighting yeah. or yeah. with the swords. Okay, duels, yeah. Duels with the swords. Sure. This is something I remember from Bulgaria. So I got one of my cargo gloves I found in the office somewhere. And I go and I, I heard Harry's talking too much. He can beat me. And I grab the glove and, Harry, I'm throwing the glove at you. And he doesn't know the duel, you know, the, the duel. He You're challenging him. I'm challenging you. So what is this? I'm, I'm challenging you. I heard you can beat me. I, I heard you talking. He goes, he walks back cocky. He grabs the glove and goes and throws it back. Like he wiped his butt and he throws it back. <laughs> and I'm standing up and I'm looking at this glove and walk towards the glove. Everybody's laughing. All the, all the team is like, oh, you know, they're, they're so like. They're going to throw down. Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking at the glove and I grab the glove and said, now this glove. At four o'clock this afternoon, I'm going to shift it in your mouth. <laughs> you come here and we wrestle. <laughs> and we came. Everybody was there. We invited everybody to come, even the trainers. Wow. And uh, all the team was there. And I take him. No way. And he's supposed to carry me to the dorms. In North Michigan, there's a lot of snow. <laughs> he still hasn't done it. He, <laughs> no, he hasn't done it. I hope he listens to this. He has to carry me. I'm the same weight now. I bet he's bigger than I am. He uh, still owes you yeah, that. That's hilarious. But Harry was awesome. We had um, awesome uh, uh, training together. And he had some disagreements with me on the process. But I worked hard to convince him that this is the right way to do. And um, he understood that. It, yeah, very respectful. Very successful. They stole his world title. Um, mm. He pinned the guy from Azerbaijan, who's Olympic champion in Azerbaijan. He pinned him, but they didn't give him the pin. Anyway, he's still one of the best Greco-Roman wrestlers in the last decade. Wow. Um, won two bronze medals uh, from senior world championships. And he actually contributed to our uh, team title in 2007 when we as a team, uh, Greco-Roman, won uh, the world title uh, in Greco-Roman wrestling as a team, team title. We, and we, we didn't have a gold medalist, but we had uh, three, three medals and Harry Lester was one of those. And we were together at the Worlds. And um, anyway, um, uh, this is just an example in my first years during my coaching career, how I basically had to convince my wrestlers to respect me. Every once in a while, you go and show them who is the man, that your <laughs> techniques are working, but not going there to break them. You understand? And they knew when we train, sometime I see they throw me, they, they throw me, oh, I beat Ivan today. Good. I like it. I was helping too. Next day, I pick a day. Of course, I pick a day. You, you, know, you pick the I day. I pick a day. Yeah. When I feel good, I say, come on. Or they, they, I go after practice when they did that. And I go and crush them. And say, oh, he's good still, you know. Well, I, my, I can talk now. They're all retired. 
but um, but they it's it, at least they see that what you're teaching it's also working now these days i still go on the mat uh, i try to be a good example to be mobile i try to exercise as much as possible at least to be able to demonstrate these techniques but i tell you what i have now much better wrestlers now prepared i don't have to prove who i am now that's the good thing i already did this they see it now i bring more often wrestlers to demonstrate for me because they have better arch, they have more mobility. Why I have to do the whole thing, right? But I'm better now and talking. My English is better. I, you know, <laughs> compared to 20 years ago. So I also, uh, I see what's effective. What will be better? Me to show or they to show? All right, sometimes I still do both. But that's a big part how you earn respect here on the mat from your own wrestlers. Wow. Well, Ivan, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom and experience. Are there any maybe final words that maybe you'd like to leave people with as it relates to how to be a successful coach? Anything that comes up for you that you'd like to leave people with? A few things I could share with uh, uh, those uh, people who want to coach. And it doesn't matter what level, performance or we're still coaches. Don't treat your athletes or the people you're training like a robots. Okay. Give them different varieties of training and always be well, very well armed with weapons. What does that mean, weapons? Weapons for me means workouts, routine, knowledge, exercises. So any situation, you drop me here, I don't have a, even if I don't have a plan, you bring me here any level of athletes and tell me today you're supposed to have five six athletes, but now you have 15, you have three minutes to structure a workout, I'm ready. I'm ready because I have knowledge what to do with my stuff. Exactly. You know? But I can, I can also be creative with other, without. Just be creative, be well armed with lots of workouts so you never, you always find a way for the purpose you are going to train, you know. So that's what I would say. But uh, again, not treating the athletes as a robots. That's exactly what I mean. You can't just push, 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 push and not giving them different varieties of, of workouts. Someday we have to take them outside. Maybe, maybe make them wrestle outside or do exercises not in the fitness room. If you're a fitness or jiu-jitsu or whatever, go outside. Fresh air. You can, and then immediately you see it's different. Give them a sports game for 10, 15 minutes. See how they react. And they're, oh, they're not that tired. They're kind of quiet at first. 10 minutes game change the mood. All right, let's go. You can start training them again if you want to. I mean, it depends what level. You know, I'm, I'm talking a lot about cranking athletes. Yeah. It's performance. performance yeah. yeah. But with the, with the kids, you have to know how to, hard to push. Yes. You, you have to understand the training process. Study it. But again, structuring effective plan, that's the, that's the tricky part of the coaching job. And if you live with this, and you'll find a way. You study, you study your process, know, get to know yourself as a coach, what style you like, study that, study, study the whole process of the, the techniques or whatever goals you have, and then uh, structure effective plan that works for you. At the end of the day, you, it's your team. Again, I'm going back to what we, you and I said earlier. There's uh, always many ways how to skin the cat. And that's your program. You figure it out, learn from me a little bit, learn from you, from him, from who else, and then adapt it to your own style because at the end, you understand this. It's your ship. Do it. Good luck. Thank you very much and expect to win. Thank you, coach. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path and I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours. 